Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Hi, I'm Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is The Best Life. Yeah, we are two years in. Damn. Two years in like 10 days. I know. So, so happy birthday to us. Happy birthday to us. Hey, y'all. I know. I was thinking, I was like, did we not celebrate? No, we celebrated 100 episodes. We did. We need to do a birthday celebration and we will. It's going to be late, but that's okay. Nobody wrote it on their calendar. Um, so to catch everyone up, thank you all. We've been getting messages being like, we miss you. And we realized that we have been, we took a little breather, we took a little winter break. Um, not necessarily on purpose, just circumstantial. As you guys know, Danny and I do all of the episodes in person. We do all the interviews in person. We find that, and you guys have even mentioned that it flows a lot better and we love that. And so just circumstantially, we weren't able to do it. We're going to record at Christmas and I got super sick. Um, and so hello. Hi. Welcome (laughs) back. And if you're, this is your first time listening, well, lucky you. Because you didn't miss a thing. You just <laughs> jumped right in. And it's 2020 and we're excited because you guys can't be as excited about this, but we are because we can hear ourselves in our headphones, which we usually can't. Yep. And this is, we're two years in and we're finally t- getting the tech. Slowly. I mean, I feel like it's been slow. Like we've, we've upgraded, I feel like, over the last couple of years. And it's funny because now we have people asking us how to do it. And I'm like, wait, we're not that. We're like, we why are you know, asking? We don't know what us. we're doing still. But we'll tell you how to do a podcast. We're like, just figure it out. That's how, <laughs> that's my advice. Just you figure know, it out. Well, it's funny because both you and I have been a uh, guest on a lot of podcasts. And some people have their shit together way more than us. Oh, gosh, yeah. But they're not getting any downloads. Yeah. And it's fine. Like, they're just getting started, whatever. They don't have an audience yet. But like, I'm like, okay, it's, it doesn't, you can have all the bells and whistles and all the best you know, tech stuff and mixers and everything else. But if your content's not great or if you don't have any listeners, then hey. Then you're just sounding really great to the wind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to do a Q&A episode. We got a few questions. I don't know which one we want to start with. Oh, let's just start with it. The, cool. the easy one. I put the quotes up. The easy one. This is a, like a more business question. Yep. Um, and someone asked, this is on on the the IGs. So if you're not following us on the Best Life Podcast on Instagram, please do. We do a lot of little fun. We do fun things over there. We do. Um, especially in the stories. But desire to post to socials is zero. Is it better to take a break or plow through is the question. And I'm assuming that this person is uh, doing social for business, right? So we're just yeah. going to make that assumption because 
if you're just doing it for friends and family and your desire is zero, then I'd say, why the hell do it? So I'm assuming that this is a business question. So that's the direction I'm going to go with it. So let's hear from you first, Jill. Yeah. So this is a great question. In fact, a lot of my clients ask me this all the time because I just want to normalize this for people that if you are an online, you know, quote, influencer, I don't love that word, but if you have a brand or you're an online coach or you're using social media to help build your brand and to attract new customers and new clients, similar to how Danny and I do it, um, it's going to be, it's going to ebb and flow. And so the idea that you're always going to be, um, you know, blazing with passion and creative ideas and things like that, I think especially when you start out, because it's kind of the first time where you get that catharsis of putting out stuff, it feels really amazing. And then when you get that first creative rut or even that second or that third, it can feel really disorienting. And I think we've talked about this in another episode in terms of like motivation and stuff. Um, but there's a couple of schools of thought on this and I'll, I'll kind of give credence to both first and then we can maybe like make an assessment, but um, there's a book called The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield, which is kind of a go-to for anyone who is in any creative endeavor, whether you're an artist or an online coach or something like that. Anytime you are working for yourself, maybe you're like Stephen's a writer. And so he was speaking a lot to like writing. So if I say I'm a writer, um, there's gonna be days I don't want to write, but I sit my ass in the chair and I do it. And it's going to be shitty and it's not going to feel super inspired and it's not going to be great and it's not going to be my best work necessarily, but that's not the point. The point isn't I have to put out my best work every second. The point is I'm continuing to build momentum in that direction so that when my inspiration or my motivation does start to come back, I'm already in the pattern of doing it. So the idea is like, look, this is your fucking job. Like you do it, you Mm -hmm. go to work. Like, you know, so that's the thing is, you know, we work for ourselves, but there is a certain level of um, commitment to the mundane that we have to be ready for. So if you work in a, a corporate job, you can't just not come in because you just don't feel like it. So there's a school of thought that's like, hey, man, you show up even if like you're not super inspired or you're, I mean, believe me, Danny and I have, both of us have had many times where we just fucking hate social media mm-hmm. and not because we don't like the people there or whatever. It's just literally like, I don't want to feel like I have to publish all the time, you know? And so that's normal. Um, but to a certain degree, this is your job now. So I think that there's something to be said for gaining momentum and keeping momentum. Uh, Some ways that I help my girls do some of that kind of stuff is doing content repurposing, going back to old content, you know, maybe editing a tiny bit, reposting. Again, these probably aren't going to be your most inspired, like, you know, hit them out of the park posts, but I think it's fine to just have something up. So the idea is that that you maintain sort of a low level of relevancy while you're feeling uninspired. Maybe you're not creating programs and creating products and creating freebies and doing all that stuff, but you are maintaining some level of relevancy to your audience who looks to you for, you know, content, you know, it's not gonna be super inspired. But on the other side of things, the reality is no one fucking notices when you're gone. Yeah. And I wish that they did. I wish that people cared about our social media as much as we do. But the bottom line is, and I know you guys have experienced this, you know, how many of us have seen someone who's like, hey, guys, I took the month off from social media. And what do we think? No one fucking no- <laughs> never noticed. Definitely did not notice. Like, welcome back. Yep. So it almost feels um, it over it almost feels overkill to like reintroduce yourself to your audience when like your audience barely noticed you were gone, or at least that's me. Yeah. And so as much as I wish that people would notice when I'm gone and like you know there's gonna be some big fallout in my business, there typically hasn't been mm-hmm. when I've taken breaks. Yeah, I agree. Like with both. So you know, there's 
momentum is hard to get and much easier to take, to keep, sorry, to take. Um, it's much easier to keep. So it's like if you're pushing a car from a stalled engine, you got to have like four people there like busting their ass trying to get this car moving. But once it's rolling, everybody walks away and then you got one person just kind of pushing it, right? So that momentum is going once you get it started. So when you take a break and you come back, it feels much harder to create that momentum again. So the the piece of like just posting once in a while to stay relevant and also to keep momentum, I think is helpful. Um, and I've been there many times where I'm just like, I do not want to post. And I had a lot of like backup posts, like quotes and things like that, where it's, you know, if I don't want to be on the, I don't want to be on the face of my brand. I do a lot of quotes in the meantime. So you could see like, if you scroll back while I was going through some of my marriage stuff in 2016, there was a lot more quotes than photos of me. Um, but I've also been on the piece where I'm just like, I got nothing. I don't even have quotes. I don't have anything. And that was this month. Actually, I haven't posted in like three weeks. I've been so sick. I've been so tired. I've spent my days in bed and it just hasn't been worth it to me to bother. And I don't want to explain that I'm not feeling good. I don't want to explain anything. I haven't been on stories and I just haven't done it. And I am aware that I'm going to have to get back to it. And so sometimes when you get back to it, you just have to know like you might have to work harder because now you have lost some of the algorithm's favor and some of the uh, just people used to seeing you all the time. So, you know, it's really up to you. But I also would just say, if it is your business, like be mindful of how long you take off and and what you're doing in that time. But I think sometimes it is nice to just take a full break and step away completely because it can help you come back with better ideas and come back more inspired. So there's some things, you know, like you get to decide what you want to do with it. Maybe have some backup posts that just kind of go up without thinking. Like, you know, you can just hit, write some things for the background and you could just hit post and walk away and not have to engage with it or step away. Just understand that it can affect your business. Um, you but step I also away think don't months, be scared, to, like yeah. too scared. Cause I think like sometimes we're like hyper vigilant of like, so true. Oh my God, if I take off three days, like am I losing everything I work for? So true. And the bottom line is, and you know, like this is our, the experience is like trust stays around for a really long yeah. time. If yeah. you have done the work, to build trust, which takes a long time in and of yeah. itself, you're not going to lose it overnight. Yeah. You know, if someone did a program with you or it resonated so strongly with like one post one time, it takes a lot to lose that person. Yeah. I remember when I first started in like Facebook, maybe early 2010, 11, and like there, the algorithms were, there was none. So just people saw everything. And I felt like I had to reply to every single comment, like instantly, because I couldn't keep up with my notifications. So I felt so overwhelmed. And so I just felt locked to my computer. And if I walked away, even for a few minutes, I'd come back and there's like 10 notifications and I have to, you know, reply to every single person. And I was so stressed all the time and it just caused so much anxiety. And now I just am like, yep, if I, I'll reply later, but I could do it when I want to on my time and it just never feels that overwhelming but I also don't get 600 comments anymore right in 10 minutes like I used to so that's a whole other story but I and that's for anybody listening likely that's not happening to anyone unless you are a celebrity and in that case they don't answer anybody's shit anyway right <laughs> yeah I mean so I think the bottom line is um if you need to take a break for your mental health take a break yeah. Don't stress about like, oh my God, I'm losing like so much. Like you're just not. It, to us, it always feels much bigger in our head than it actually is in reality. Uh, but also like Danny mentioned, there is um, some implications for the algorithm and visibility the more consistently you're posting. So if you're asking someone who, you know, was quote a social media expert or Gary Vaynerchuk or someone, they're saying post three times a day, right? And so yes, maybe that's the ideal 
But for most of us, it's maybe once a day, maybe every other day, right? And, yeah. and also, by the way, your post stays in the feed for up to two days. So if you're like, cool, I need to just like downregulate a little bit, go to every other day for a while, right? Because it stays in the feed for two days. So you could use that as a strategy and also realize that it's not, you know, posting something. I always say that like quantity begets quality. Like you do get better the more you post. So I think there's something to just pressing publish and not stressing about it having to be like this amazing content. It's just about getting reps in at some point. Yep. I love that. Yep. So not a cut and dry answer. But hey, you know, I think you deep down know the answer. Take a fucking break. You'll be fine. When you come back, just be ready for it to be a little more work. Yeah. Love it. Okay. We got a question in the Facebook group. So also, if you are not in the Facebook group, if you just go to thebestlifepodcast.com, it will take you straight to the Facebook group. And we like to have private conversations in there. And somebody said, would love to know your thoughts on life coaches. And then I asked anything specific. And she said, if they've worked for people, I've looked into a few and they're quite pricey, but I'm in need of some extra help to find my true purpose. So I, I liked this question because it's interesting. Um, you know, I had asked a couple of years ago on my Facebook page, like, what do you guys think I do? <laughs> and some kind of things like that of like, what do you think? And I had a, a, a good handful of people saying like, oh, I look at you as a life coach. And um, I have some one-on-one clients right now who are kind of business, but they are more like life coaching type clients. And the way I look at it is this, um, you know, I think a life coach could be such a vague blanket of a, of a name of a coach, right? Like she said to find my purpose. And I think some life coaches, um, are there to help you find purpose or direction. I think some life coaches are really more like relationship, almost like in a way, not a counselor, but someone who's just kind of helping you with direction, um, and I think ultimately any coach that you hire, no matter what, really comes down to your connection with them, how well they understand your problem and how they can help you become the best version of yourself or help you uh, solve that problem. So I actually went back on betterhelp.com to try to get another counselor. I had this great counselor this summer, but she was in person and, um, she did the EMDR therapy and stuff. And I was like, well, I need somebody. So we went back on BetterHelp and I've gone through two people and I just do not connect with them. I, I feel like they don't understand what I'm trying to say. They're not giving me the feedback I want. And I'm just so frustrated and annoyed and I'm going, okay, I need somebody, but not you. Right. And so I ended up going back to the counselor I had in Vegas and she said she does Skype calls, which is fantastic. But I think ultimately any kind of coach, whether you call them a life coach, a job coach, a business coach, um, anything, they just need to be what you need. So I think you can do some vetting by like interviewing them and letting them interview you. Um, if you know what you want specifically, like maybe if you're just going, you know, I want to be engaged by the end of the year. Like I've seen these coaches that are like, you'll be engaged by the end of the year, right? So if you know that's what you want, you're going to be with a coach who specifically teaching you how to date, how to show up for dating and all of that. If you want something more broad, maybe you're just like, I'm in a job that I don't love my relationship's so-so, my body's not the best. Maybe there's a coach that can help you with all of those things because in in my mind, that's kind of, um, that also can fall under the life coaching kind of genre. But ultimately, uh, I think that any coach can be amazing, but I also think there's so many coaches out there now that it can be easy to find somebody who's not that great as well. So you need to do your due diligence and really like get referrals, um, get them on a call and ask them a lot of questions before you sign up with them. But yeah. well, how would you, and I'll answer in a second, but what, how would you describe the difference between a life coach and a counselor or a psychiatrist? Yeah. So I think, um, there's a couple things. I think 
counseling, there, there could be a fine line for sure. Um, obviously, a counselor and a psychiatrist have special certifications. Um, they have to sign, um, you know, privacy laws and things like there's They're like bound by certain laws, whether within the state, within the county, within their city. Um, there's a lot of things that go into that. Um, they also tend to uh, be more specialized in training with like mental illness and, and those kind of things, anxiety, depression. Um, I would go to a counselor or psychiatrist in if I have those kind of things going on, if I know it's mental health related or anxiety, um, if you're looking for a coach, you're usually looking for something more specific, somebody really to like hold you accountable, mm. somebody to help you with strategy. So like I was saying of like the getting engaged with a year and within a year, right? That's not a like, I'm depressed kind of thing. Maybe you're depressed because you're, you're not in a relationship, but that's another issue. Maybe you should also see a counselor, but <laughs> Um, but you want something very specific, like you want an outcome and you maybe need some direction on like, Hey, can you see, this is what I'm doing, but I need to tweak it. And a coach is like, you know, I just, I was a gymnast growing up and I was a gymnastics coach for many years. And as a gymnastics coach, I'm looking at my students and I'm watching what they do. And then I'm giving them feedback on what I see and ways to make it better or improve. So a coach can like, look at what you're already doing and help give you feedback and maybe different strategies or different ways to approach something versus a counselor is going to be more like kind of challenging how you think mm. more about how you think, how you process, um, maybe giving you tools with your emotions and behaviors versus more like tactical kind of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think about coaching in terms of like kind of two things. Number one, someone who can be like going back to what you're talking about a match, someone who can be empathetic to what you're going through. I think none of us like to be judged by our coach or, you know, and oftentimes like it can, sometimes it can come off judgmental. And that's when, I mean, first of all, Danny's my life coach basically. So I'm like, can I come to you <laughs> and you can challenge me? So the first is I really think there needs to be a level of empathy and connection first, because you, I think everyone's heard the quote, like no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's important to establish that rapport first because then that's a trust building rapport. And then the second is at least um, when I think about a life coach, I'm thinking about someone who's seeing blind spots that maybe you have not identified, yeah. um, seeing ways in which you might be self-sabotaging, seeing maybe some limiting beliefs that you might be having. And, and all of these things, you know, if you go to your friends, they're going to disagree with you. You're going to go to your spouse, your partner, and they're probably just going to want to make you feel better. So they're going to be like, oh yeah, like no, they're just going to agree with you. I think what a great coach can do is ask you questions that can elicit a different response mm -hmm. from you. So I only do business coaching, so I only know that realm. But a lot of times if my girls are unsure about where they should go, I don't start with strategy. I'm not like, you should go here, you should go here, you should go here. I usually elicit, ask questions to get them to come to a that they would never ask themselves left to their own devices, yeah. right? No one else in their life can ask them those questions because they don't see, you know, they don't see maybe a bigger picture. And so when I think about a life coach, yeah, it can be anything, whether it's relationships, job. I mean, I think we, sometimes we see that's kind of, those are the big ones, right? Mm -hmm. We see career type stuff. We see, um, I mean, you know, I'd probably go to see a life coach to deal with like aging stuff, mm -hmm. maybe as a woman that maybe, especially if you're after you've gotten out of a relationship or you're going through divorce, sometimes you have questions about like, 
just your self-worth and your feelings of, you know, feeling good enough. And so that might be a good place to start, um, you know, relationship type stuff. So figure out exactly, I think like Danny said, what you need help with. And then I think it's okay. Like you, you mentioned vetting them. I think it's okay to ask questions like, you know, what kinds of outcomes have you gotten for people? Cause again, it's not necessarily just about processing, processing, processing. It's about like, we have a specific outcome that we want to achieve together. Yep. So you might ask the person, like, give me some examples of, you know, some of your clients and not like, you know, specifics, but what have you, what's some examples that you've helped people move through? But I think any good coach is going to turn the questions back on you so that you can come to the realization of what you need to do yourself. Yep. There's an interesting thing when I first read the question of what are your thoughts on life coaches? Um, there are so many, it's, there's an interesting thing happening in this coaching industry where I see a lot of business coaches coaching coaches to coach. <laughs> yep. And it seems like this thing where nobody even has any uh, experience, they're just coaching. And so I've always struggled with that where, you know, I, I love and I can um, appreciate um, Jill's feedback on business coaching because she's ran a successful business and, um, and just so many people like that where, and I see a lot of these business coaches who've never had a business except coaching coaches, how to coach, which, which is fine. Like if you have the theory, like you can, you know, you can go to conferences, you can read business books, like you can accumulate a wealth of knowledge, but they don't have the clinical experience necessarily. And business coaching is a really easy switch. And this is maybe a whole separate conversation, but going from like health and wellness, I see a lot of wellness coaches or health coaches moving into the business space because they go, well, I've had this wellness business Mm -hmm. for a couple of years. And like, I wouldn't call it super successful, but I've done enough that people are starting to ask me questions about how I've done it. Maybe I could do business coaching. And then they also, but they've never really run their own successful business in a different space. And they go, well, people pay more to make money. Mm -hmm. So I can charge higher ticket and whatever. And so it's a great place to be, but who's actually on the ground doing it well? Yeah. That's who I want to learn from. Yeah. So when it comes to life coaching, is it like, what are you looking for? Is it like, have you been married for 30 years? I want to learn from you. Like what makes someone, do they need to have clinical experience in the thing that you are wanting to achieve? I think that's up to you. Yeah. I think that's up to you. You know, it's kind of like, I remember Marie Forleo, uh, she just wrote a book, but I remember she talked about wanting to be a life coach. She was like 23 years old. Right. And they're like, what kind of experience? And I personally wouldn't hire a 23 year old life coach, of course, but I'm sure she got clients and I'm sure there are people appreciated her, (laughs) you know, opinion. And I think it just does it. It's just an interesting industry where there are so many people making a lot of big claims, just coaching in general, no matter what it is, business coaching, life coaching, uh, relationship coaching. Actually, my boyfriend and I were joking around that we were going to become breakup coaches and coach people through a breakup, like how to not like how to get over a breakup, but how to like actually break up with someone if you don't know what to say or how to do it. And so, well, it's not a joke. It could actually might, might happen. <laughs> I, know, I know. I was like, you know, there are, I mean, it's a real thing. It, People it don't, they're like, I need to break up, but I don't they're know. They're like, I don't, I can't stay here, but yeah. I don't know. I'm just going to keep doing don't it. Know it's how easy. To do it. It's status quo. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just goes to, but that's the thing is a larger question because I work with a lot of personal trainers and like, well, I don't have a six pack. Am I qualified? Yeah to coach someone, right? I don't, you know, I'm 23 years old. I don't know my qualified to coach someone. And like, I think always when it comes down to like, what makes someone an expert, my way of saying things is, do they get their client's results? Mm-hmm. Period. I don't mm-hmm. care if they're 23, 53, 103, are they getting results for their clients? Yep. You know? Yeah. So back to this question of really just do they work for people? I think, yes, they can work for people and it, counseling can work for people and it cannot. 
uh, coaching can work for people and it cannot. It's always, it's, it's up to two people, right? It's really, is the coach a good fit for you? And are you willing to do the work? And are you willing to, um, dig into what they ask you to do? And are you working with them long enough? Or, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of factors in there, but I think, uh, it's worth a shot and there's so many out there. So there's actually funny enough, the question right after that is, can you indulge on who your current coaches are? And I'll tell you that I don't have a current coach at the moment, but I am going back to work with this therapist because I really like her. And I feel like she's kind of on the verge of that. Like she's a counselor, but also she feels, she feels kind of coachy in a way. Um, and I've been thinking about that recently, um, of who I would want and, I have a few ideas of people that I would love to, that I would love to hire, but they're not coaches. So I don't know, but, um, oh yeah, I didn't actually tell you about this. There's a guy, well, I'm not, I can't say his name only cause I can't pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> Jacques Gronome. I don't know what his last name is. His name is Jacques. Wow. It's very uh, trifle Yeah. Uh, and anyway, we were, my boyfriend and I were kind of interviewing some people to do some relaunching of <clears throat> master your money and find the money project. And we were talking to different strategists and there was a guy who, who sounds like a really good coach. And so anyway, potentially I may work with him in a couple of months, but right now I'm not working with anybody. Cool. Yeah. I'm not either. And you know, at times I think about maybe hiring someone, but I'm having a hard time this is the problem that I'm having right now is that I'm like, and this is such a, like a super, I mean, I feel vulnerable even sharing this, but I'm also like, what can someone help me with? And I feel like it's not that they can't help me. It's just mm -hmm. like, I don't know what they could help me with. Mm -hmm. I don't have a specific problem except that I'm like, having a coach would be great. Yeah. Like what would, what would that be or who would that be? You yeah. know? And so. Yeah. I, it's, that's a real question. Cause I know that certain people, will hire a coach because they need accountability. And you're like, well, if I don't need accountability, then I don't then, or a certain coach can help with strategy. But if you don't know specifically, if you don't have a specific problem, sometimes it's yep. hard to just go, what do I yeah. need it for? Yeah. So. sounds like you might need a best friend. You yeah. might need Danny J. Yeah. You might need the best life podcast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay. We have one last question. Okay. Um, what did I do with it? Had to do with sex. Let me reopen the box. Never say reopen the box. I mean, maybe say reopen the box if you're talking about a sex question. <laughs> Did you reopen the box? This is a good, <laughs> this is a good one. Um, sex. How to give your partner feedback without hurting your hurting feelings and when? When to give them feedback and how to do it without hurting your feelings? Well, the first thing, as far as not hurting their feelings, is probably not in the moment screaming at them that whatever they're doing is awful, <laughs> as we know. I think that this is like high level before we get into strategies. I really think that this is an important conversation to have, actually. Yeah. I think there are a lot of people who are not getting their needs met because they are scared to talk about what they enjoy or they feel shame or it feels just uncomfortable as fuck or it's just uh, something they just assume like, well, this is just the way that sex with this person is going to be and like I might just might as well just make the most of it. And obviously we did a whole separate episode on sex and like faking orgasms and stuff like that. And so I think this is a really good question because I don't, I think if you can't have this conversation with your partner at some point and in some way, maybe not like a full fledged, but like there needs to, I feel like there should be always moving in the direction of trying to be more compatible or satisfied mm -hmm. in bed. If that's important to you, mm -hmm. I know it's extremely important to me. So it's like we had had the conversation of uh, faking orgasm during the sex episode. And I think, 
we were both like, yeah, we faked before, but it was like on a one night stand or we had a hundred drinks or like whatever. But I remember saying that I won't do that with someone I really care about and want to continue having a sexual relationship with. Cause I'm not, st- I'm not starting with that precedent, yeah. you know? And I think there's a lot of people and, and that's just my personal opinion. So like, if I'm not getting off, like I'm just not going to get off and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to be like, and I'm going to try and figure out a way to have a conversation about what I enjoy, what I like, what I don't like. Um, so I think that this is a really important conversation to have because I think everyone deserves to be satisfied in bed. Yeah. Yeah. And there are entire podcasts that probably will, that maybe will do a better job than we're going to attempt right now. There, uh, we have a friend named Emily. She has a podcast called sex with Emily and I've heard her do a lot of different dives and like very, she will have people write in and give very specific examples. So we're going to make, we have to make a couple assumptions with this question of, um, you, there's a lot of ways it could go. Cause if this is a new relationship, it's going to be very different than if you've been sleeping with someone for five years and they've been doing the same thing. And you're finally like, I can't do that anymore. <laughs> that might be a different conversation. Um, but so just FYI, there's that, check out that podcast. I think it's a good resource. She does a lot of these kind of questions. Um, but as far as it goes, you know, and this isn't like the most evolved answer, but I know that Jeff and I did this a lot at the beginning of just like drinking and then having these conversations so we felt a little more loose and we could just kind of like so what do you like you know um but maybe having a few drinks uh will help but I do think being mindful of trying not to hurt someone's feeling is is a big deal because just imagine shoe on the other foot let's say your partner says to you that that you're doing something that really bothers them and I just feel like I would be humiliated and embarrassed and like then I would pull back so like, like I'm not even yep. going to do it anymore. Like, okay, I'm not even like gonna we're just not even going to have sex. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> so I think a few things. One, if in the moment there's, let's say they're doing something, let's say they're rubbing you some way that's just like not working. I feel like there's ways you can maybe like take their hand or like move it and be like, Hey, I like it when you do this and kind of like direct them. Um, so in a way you're not saying like, you're not like saying stop, but you're kind of like, Hey, try this. Um, have you ever done that? I have not like verbally, but I've like moved a hand and like kind of, I've done it verbally before, but I haven't been like, that's, I don't like that. I've, I've been like, like slower baby or something like yes, that. Like, yes, or like, like that. Yeah. I've been like that. So it feels like it's still part of the sex uh-huh, uh-huh. scenario. Yes. It's not like totally like separate from it. And it's not like constructive criticism in right, the moment. Yeah, right. It's more like still sexy talk. Yeah. Yeah. Or like what, if they're doing something right, just be like, keep doing that. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like don't stop, keep going. It's funny. Cause I've had this happen before where I'm like, don't stop. And then suddenly they go faster. I was just like, Nope. <laughs> didn't say go faster. I said, just don't stop what you're doing. <laughs> didn't say speed it up, but okay. <laughs> yeah. there, there's a, there's, I think a male thing that just feels like if you're doing something, just do it faster. And that's better. I'm like, no, well, it's like that Bill Burr stand up we were watching. And what he part? was like, he was recounting like something he read online where, a woman said that a man that like she was with a, a man who was like masturbating vigorously, yeah, vigorously. and he was like, oh, I'm not sure there's any other way to do it. Yeah, he's like for men vir- vigorously. That's just kind of a given. Yeah. For <laughs> women, it's not that way. And yeah. so, you know, I think obviously the more like, uh, you know, the more your spouse or your partner exposes themselves to things that might give them insight into mm-hmm. a woman's body, like that might be good. Um, or joking or whatever. And I, but I think if you're in the moment, there are ways to make it part of the sexy talk that don't come off. Like it's constructive criticism in the moment. Yeah. Like you're like a teacher. Yeah. Like you can 
move yourself or like, hey, let me get on top of you. and Or like right after sex, yeah. if they did something great, if like, you know, and you were like, oh, that was new and like that was mm-hmm. awesome and I want to mm-hmm. reaffirm that, you know, like right after you're done and you're having like pillow talk, I think you can like say like, oh my God, that was so, like I like love that or I think that's a good time to, to reinforce. I'm trying to think of when else is a good time to talk about it. So I'm a big fan of like the time after sex mm-hmm. because you just – we're in that space together and yep. there's pillow talk and you're probably like, you know, going to cuddle or at least touch for like a few minutes or whatever. So one of the f- suggestions that I would have in that moment is if you're not being satisfied is put, ask them first. So I've done that in the past where I've been like, you know, what's, um, you know, what do you like mm-hmm. when it comes to sex? I'll just open up that conversation yep, yep. because then oftentimes they will ask you, yep oftentimes they will ask you back. And so I think if you can ask them first, it kind of sets up this, like the, a scenario where we're going to talk about this mm-hmm. and it's not just you offering feedback. So, yeah. I, and, and I like that too, cause then I get to learn, yep. you know, and I don't take things personally and I'm like, how would I possibly fucking know? You know, I think that there's this idea that you're just supposed to know what to do with somebody, yep. you know? And, yeah. and I don't know that that's necessarily true. I like the idea of like hastening the, scenario so that we both get to be in a place where we enjoy what's happening you know I don't think you have to like wait to like find out and like you know I mean I guess it can be nice to like explore the other person's body but I don't know I think just get right down to like what do you enjoy what do you like and that doesn't have to be a scary conversation so I would say start you by asking them what they like yeah and oftentimes they'll ask you too I feel like that's a good time too is right after because you're kind of like okay we just you're feeling good and yeah. like you got the yeah um what's it called the endorphins going yep the oxytocin like, yeah I just I remember my first boyfriend and like who I lost my virginity to and it was in high school and uh of course we're talking girls and we're all talking about blowjobs and we're I remember just laughing with my girlfriends we're like do you actually blow on it? Like, what is a blowjob? And so I really just had no idea what, like when I had a dick, what do you do with it? Like, <laughs> what do you do with it? Yeah. I had no idea. And I remember he kind of like gave me directions and showed, he's like, well, here's what you would do and here's what I prefer. And I was like, oh, I just had no idea. Like, what do you do with a penis? I never owned a penis. I didn't know what to do with it. You I never know. owned one no. or borrowed one. No, I never borrowed one. Never I owned one. Yeah. Never had one yourself. And so they don't know either. You know, they yeah. haven't owned a vagina. They haven't had one. <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> maybe. One. They might have bought one, but they didn't have a talking one if they bought it. One other thing you can do, and this is a little bit probably not as genuine, but I think it can be helpful, is... In the, if you, this is maybe if you're not in like a sexual situation, but you're just like maybe talking, you can say they're doing something that you don't like that like someone else in the past did to you. And you can, you're like joking around or you're talking about it just kind of comes up. You can be like, oh, my God, like, you know, when I was in high school, this guy, you know, did this thing. And I felt like he was like burning my clit off when he was doing it, you know, and you can like talk about it. just like pressing so hard and you can almost tell a story about it. Yeah. Like you were telling your girlfriend about like and then like they'll know. If they deduce, hopefully that like, you don't like them to push that fucking hard. Like, you know what I mean? So you're, so if they're doing the same thing that like someone else in the past did, maybe you can tell that story as a way to clue them in that you don't like that. It's actually, it's a little bit of a Jedi mind trick. Yeah. That's one I've used before for sure. (laughs) For sure. Or like talking about something that I do like, it just like, like, oh yeah, that's hot. 
you know, yeah. some kind of our... When you're not in, like, a sexual situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, seeing something in the movie, like, oh, all right, that looks good. Yeah. I'm just like... A little, hmm. little light choking. Yep. Never hurt anybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question. It is. It's, and and it it's an important one. Yeah, it is important. And it... The, I think, though, that the longer your relationship goes on, the more you really should, the more you deserve to have those kind of conversations because then it just gets, it just gets worse. And I think your you preferences know. change. I know yeah. we talked about this a little bit in the, in the sex episode. Uh, what I wanted or what I felt comfortable with in my early 20s is really different now. And so if you have been in a relationship for a really long time, chances are when you were, you know, having sex with the person in your early 20s, you didn't really know your preferences mm-hmm. yet. And then I can only speak for myself, but like as, you know, being a woman in her late thirties, like I'm a red blooded woman. Like I know what I like. I'm much yep. more like sexually open, um, much more confident in my body. So I just have different desires yep. and I didn't know what those were 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And so I think it's okay. Like as you evolve too, and this is hard too, because men and women are, they kind of go through their like sexual prime at different times mm-hmm. too. Like men, it's like, you know, teens and, you know, twenties. And for us, it's later thirties and forties and beyond. And so I think it's important to communicate yep. in a way that doesn't make everyone so fucking embarrassed all the time. Yeah. And I think one question too, you can always ask is like, is there anything that you want to try? Yeah. Because then you can even bring up whatever it is that is not happening or something. You can just say like, let's try it this way. So yeah, I think those kind of conversations are great to have. I think it's, uh, I think it's going to be good for you. I think it's going to be good. Yeah. Anything else today? Oh my gosh. I almost forgot. Um, we have a brand new sponsor of the podcast and it is CBD for life. Um, you guys can get their products, cbdforlife.us. And if you use the best life at checkout, it's 20% off. Um, I know I've been using the tinctures lately. Have you? Yeah. They're so good. I, we had the, um, face moisturizer Mm -hmm. and Jeff used all of it. So I need to get some more because it's gone. (laughs) I've been loving the CBD just like in the afternoon. Yeah. Just like definitely puts me and I, it's so, it's like really subtle, but you can definitely feel it. It's kind of just having like one glass of wine or something. Just relax. Yep. I love, I've been loving the tinctures. Keith's been using the roll on for Dude. his elbow and stuff. Yes. I've been using those for all like the pain time. type stuff for like joint stuff. He's been using the roll on a lot. Love it. Yeah. Check all their stuff out. CBD for us. And, uh, definitely make sure you guys subscribe to the channel. Please leave a review. We've gotten a new review from 2020. We have one. Let's get more 2020 reviews. Love it. If you guys are enjoying the podcast, please leave a review. It does give people who are looking for a great podcast insight into what we share, the kind of content that they're going to get and all that kind of stuff. So appreciate you guys and see you next time. See ya. Bye. Mother's Day is almost here and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.